Hello there, and welcome to Freeball, the volleyball podcast, where we are all eyes on Hamburg, or trying to be. Personally, I've been doing some indoor commentary this week, so the beach has been feeling a little bit neglected, which is sad because it's exciting times in beach volleyball as we head towards Hamburg next week, which, how quick has that come up? So many big games from the FIVB, World Championships, and so many big players as well. So please make sure that you keep an eye on everything. All eyes on Hamburg. We are going to be trying to get a podcast out every evening from the Beach Majors. And we're going to be trying to get some of the biggest names on the, in the sport on the podcast for you guys to listen to. It's been a crazy week, really. The Warsaw Four Star took place just last weekend it's the last FIVB world tour event in the build-up to the world championships and in the women's event Taliko Clancy and Maria Feiltache grabbed a gold at the four-star event and it's been coming medals in Charmen and Zhang Jing as well then they got knocked out in Ostrava by the Brazilian team Agatha and Duda and had to settle being knocked out in round two but this week it was coming the gold medal match started off fiercely against an American team in Emily Stockman and Kelly Larson that made such a great run from the country quota through the qualification to Saturday's final, showing that the Americans are definitely coming back in women's beach volleyball because there's been wins and medals for Kerry Walsh and Brooke Sweat as of late and also for Alex Kleinman and Kerry Walsh Jennings as well. It's a great result for Australia because it puts them into a fantastic position going into the World Championships. And they're playing to the last whistle, is what Maria Faye Altaccio commented on what was a comeback at the end of the first set in the final. They're saying that they're not changing their mentality, going point by point and game by game. So watch out for the Americans because they're going strong. But the Australians now are certainly a team to be frightened of, to be scared of really. Underneath the leadership of Kirk Pittman, who used to coach in the UK, took that Australian job just over a year ago and has done a fantastic job working with Artaccio and Taliqua Clancy as well. The Brazilians, as always, are going really well. Maria Antonelli and Carol Solberg stayed level with Agatha and Duda throughout most of the first set in the bronze medal match. But Duda and Agatha took the bronze. The Brazilians all fighting in the race for Tokyo 2020. So the points are really precious for the Brazilians. But also there's so many great Brazilian teams at the moment. Duda, Agatha, and then you look at Rebecca and Anna Patricia as well, who have had a great season on the world tour. There's so many great teams, as we mentioned in the All Eyes on Hamburg, going into the World Championships next week. Watch out for Canada as well. They're going to be very strong. And Slovakia, Hamanova and Slakova are also going to be right on the money as well. In the men's event, it was a crazy day because of Andro, the current world champion, from Austria, Vienna, two years ago. Now teaming up with Bruno, the world champion from 2015, Olympic gold medalist from 2016, took the victory and the trophy in Warsaw after beating the Vikings, who had to settle for silver and didn't make their 24 unbeaten run this week. But it was a crazy, crazy semi-final between the Vikings and the Russians, Konstantin Semenov. And Ilya Leshkov, sorry, took bronze to complete the podium. But Krasilnikov and Stoyanovsky, the crazy semi-final between them and the Vikings, where they had multiple match points. And the Vikings just didn't give up. The men's 
still so open. We've talked about the pools so much in the last two episodes that we're just going to go straight to the interview now, which is with Australian defender. Commonwealth Games gold medalist took a ninth in the previous World Championships in Vienna. His name is Damien Schumann, one of the best passers in the game. And we talk about the Australian philosophy. We talk about how they're looking going into the World Championships in just over a week's time. It's a great interview, super open, super honest, and some really crazy stories of just being on the world tour and what it takes. Enjoy. Damo, welcome to Freeball, the volleyball podcast. How you doing? Good, good name. I like the name. Yeah, you're a fan of Freeball. I have, I am. There's, uh, there's a few volleyball podcasts out there, but I reckon... I reckon the free ball ones have got the uh, got my tick for the best name so far. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Uh, how's it going? Where, where yeah, are good. you? Good. It's um, been a pretty pretty hectic year so far already, and we haven't even sort of uh, started the big European block of the World Tour and stuff. So it's um, yeah, it's been full on this year. Yeah, you spent quite a lot of time in China, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. It's um. I don't know how many times I've been there in my life now. I think maybe I don't know, fourteen or fifteen, I think. But uh, yeah, we've spent. Um, we've already had, I think, three tournaments, three or four tournaments there already. Um, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, it, it's growing on me, China. Um, I've been twice, and I was in Xiamen and Jingjiang, but you went Xiamen, yep. Kuala Lumpur, um, yep. Maoming for the. Was that where the Asian yes, champs the, were? Yeah, for the Asian for the Asian Championships, the Continental Championships. So, how- so yeah, it's um yeah whatever whatever all the Europeans uh, think about China, we go twice as much. So there you go. But it's um yeah. it's uh yeah it's it's awesome though. Like I mean um you know there's there's a few culture shocks like there is with every country, but it's actually I mean like I think this year, including like juniors, continental stuff, world tour. Um, and a few other things as well. I think that they're putting on like 16 international events, I think. So, I mean, they're um, they're doing an awesome job to prop up the game, you know, to, uh, yeah, they're doing a fantastic job. So, all, all power to them. Yeah, I think it, with indoor and beach volleyball, if, uh, if China weren't yeah. helping, then it would be a different story and obviously investing quite a lot of money as well. Um, how's the playing going? Uh, 17th in Jingjiang, which was, which was one better than, um, yeah, coming through... Charmen, uh, so things moving towards the, the the world champs quite nicely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, yeah, we've had we've had a few ups and downs this year, me and Cole, and um, yeah, it's I mean, it's tough. I mean, all the you know, on, especially on the men's side. I mean, there any there's so many teams that could come through the qualifier and then medal, and you know, it's sort of been happening. And there's teams, yeah, it, it's um, it's really really strong this sort of uh, these last couple of years. Um, so it's um yeah so yeah we're looking to just uh, better that seventeenth in Poland and uh, keep marching on to the world champs. Yeah, I think like the the level in the women's is going up so quickly, but the men's yeah. it's like so many teams are playing a ridiculous level, uh, which we keep saying with yeah. everyone who comes on the shows like it it it's it's nuts. Um, you say ups and downs. What would you say would be like an up and down of a of a beach volleyball player? Um, at the moment, like what would what would not be? Would it be a moment or a competition or and the same with the down? Uh, it's it's um it's tough. I mean, it's it's tough to measure. I mean, you know, sometimes a uh, so sometimes a seventeenth, for example, you might have won two amazing games in the qualifier, um, come into the main draw, lost against you know the number one seeds or number two seeds, and then managed to make it out of your pool. Um, so that, you know, seventeenth sounds really good, and then other times you might uh. 
other times you might start in the main draw and you know you know not play that well and sort of just scrape through and make it out of your pool and lose first round out of your pool so there's there's seven eights and there's seven eights and um mm-hmm. so i think uh and you know that's the same goes that's the same goes for every team you know some teams would be saying the same thing about ninths and you know, I've had I've had nights before where you know they it hasn't felt really good because we've played well in the pool and then you just you you know we've stuffed up you know that that uh, even though it's top ten you still feel like it's a failure almost sometimes yeah. and so I think the ups and downs are really um, I'm sure lots of other players can relate to this as well. It's more to do with uh, how you guys how you how you personally and how you as a team you know your team is playing um, and. Yeah, so it's basically like we've had some downs where we we haven't played that well and we've really been disappointed with how we've played and then we've had some ups where we've uh, been really happy with how we've played and, you know, the results, um, you know, sometimes the results are reflective of that and sometimes they aren't. It just depends who you get in the draw and depends, you know, what's going on. But you really just, what what you're searching for is just to be playing at your best, basically. Yeah, that's that's a nice way of putting it. I guess if uh, there's quite a few young players I know that listen to this, and it'd be quite refreshing to hear that it's not really about the outcome. You're sort of more performance-based focus. Um, so hence, different, yeah. different sort of different results feel different. It's um, it's um, it's funny, you know. It's one of those things where um, you know, if you're playing uh, football, I suppose over there you call it, or I call it soccer, or mm-hmm. you're playing those sort of you know you win you win on a sunday like you know your team wins on a sunday and you're a winner for a week and then you might win again and you might you might go a whole month being a winner but in in sports like beach volleyball and sports like tennis as well and those sorts of individual tournament sort of sports you either come first or third or you finish on a loss so every single tournament you're almost ever going to play at a high level you're going to finish on a loss except if you know you're winning every single you either win gold or you win bronze so I mean you have to and a lot of people aren't you know a lot of people struggle with that um, and of course I struggle with that as well I hate losing but you've um, mm-hmm. yeah you sort of there's a few there's a few things about the world tour that you've got to and, and beach volleyball in general that you've um, you've sort of got to come to grips with otherwise you won't last basically yeah Pedro said something very similar like you just have to get used to losing that, that's how it, that's how it is <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and and it's you have to get used to losing, but you don't want it to become a habit either, mm-hmm. because losing become losing can become a habit. Like it's um, and you know we a lot of most people at some stage in their career have definitely felt like that, where you know it's like oh here you know you might only drop one or two points, you might be ahead, and you're like ah oh, here we go again, like you're yeah, about just... to lose. So it is a so it is it is a skill, and you want to be absolutely just going as hard as you can to try and get those wins, but. If you're not prepared, and I say this to a lot of young kids in Australia as well, um, you know, a lot of people have this. A lot of people have these massive goals, which is great, and you need to have those massive goals. But if you don't have that initial goal of just promising yourself that you're going to train as hard as you can and just go as hard as you can, no matter what's going to happen, if you don't set yourself up for that at the start, then it's it's hard to cop the sometimes years and years of failure before you crack through and do something. You, you consider good, I suppose. Yeah, I always, uh, and with the kids as well, I, I sort of always say sort of the same, like, how many times do you put your shorts in the washing machine? Like, you sort of need to be yeah. in those situations, right? Like, otherwise it yeah. just doesn't, you, you can't learn from that failure of, of or not a failure, that sort of losing sort of streak or not making a point yeah. at 19 or Like, you have to go through those situations to, to, to get better at them. That's, that's really Absolutely. cool. Um, let's talk uh, world champs. Uh, how do you feel about your pool? Pools came out a little bit earlier in the week. It's a pretty, pretty yeah. cool pool. 
it's super exciting. I mean, it's um, it's the world champs. So I mean, you've uh, you're um, I mean, if you go if you go into the world champs hoping you're going to have an easy pool, you're in, you're in for a bad time. Yeah. And I think every single every single pool, if you look at every single pool, I mean, it's it's a bloodbath, which is what a world champ should be. So it's um, no, it's exciting, really, really exciting. Yeah, you've got Herrera Guevara, Evandre Bruno, yep, um, Venezuela too. So yeah, it's um, I mean you know all those te- all those teams, including Venezuela, don't need any introduction. I mean those guys, um, you know, Evandro Bruno, obviously like you know Olympic Olympic uh, gold medalist and world champion from the last world champs, and Herrera Guevara have been playing in, you know really really well this season and winning lots of medals, and um, and Venezuela as well. They've uh, qualified in five stars and beat good teams and. You know, so it's uh, yeah, and you know, so have we. So it's yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it's fascinating. It's going to be very interesting. Looking forward to it. I love, I love this stuff. This is why I play. Yeah, yeah, for love sure. This stuff. For sure, like being in being in deep end. But um, one thing that Australia provide and and Spain. I spoke to the Spanish head coach. He, he's on the podcast as well. Um, oh, nice. He said he doesn't like playing against the Aussies due to just due to your style of game, like running running the two and running the ball a bit wider. It makes it difficult to to play against. So. It, that that's what I'm looking forward to is is how your game style matches up against Evandro, and how your game style yep. matches up against Spain because I think that's going to be the most interesting from the outside looking in. Uh, I hope I get to cover cover those games. Um, so do you, you yeah. think? Oh, sorry. Um, it, go on. Sorry. No, no. I was yeah. I was just um, going to agree with you. It's, um, oh, we, me and uh, me and my old partner Chris played Herrera Rivera three times. Um, uh, 2017 in 2017 and um, you know we had epic games there as well and um, managed to snag a couple and uh, and then we played Evander I've played Evander a couple of times and he's, he's a big dude with you know probably the best serve in the world as well so there's um, definite challenges there so it's, it's going to be great as well I and mean, then we'll do our best to try and you know um, muck around with them and give them a hard time as well with what we're doing yeah for sure um, you're obviously a great passer of the ball That that's Key within the style of game that you play, right? Um, running the two ball quiet for for any for any youngsters or anyone who listens who sees the Aussie way, like passing is quite a big thing in your game. In the way that you play, yeah, for sure. It's um, it's uh, yeah. I mean, um, when I moved over to Adelaide as well, and um, you know, the code I've, I've had a fantastic coach in Melbourne, and you know, he still continues to help out, and he's really good. And the coaches here in Adelaide are amazing as well, and they're great, great. Um, you know they, they're really good at teaching passing. It's something they're really good at, and um, and yeah, so it's just it's just an extra dimension basically that um, you know beach volleyball is only one of your siding out. So you know sometimes you know it's inevitable during a match that you know the other team's going to start to get a bit of a get get a bit of a read on you basically. So if you make it help you out by hitting some two balls, then um, yeah, why not? Yeah, you see that um, the Aussies have always played that way, or since I can remember. It's always been a very Aussie, Aussie way of running a two and a, and then running a bit wider. And now other countries have started to, um, yeah, to nick your style of play. It's, it's a compliment, yeah, it's a compliment they, right? They have. They, um, yeah, they have. They, um, I mean, uh, Josh Slack. I mean, you know, well, it hasn't always been the Australian way. It was, yeah. uh, you know, Julian Prosser who, you know, got a fourth at the Olympics and, you know, one of the best players Australia's ever had. They, they ran a very standard game and, you know, they were just very good at it. And um, then sort of uh, Josh Slack and Andrew Shot. Andrew Shot is coaching us now, and uh, yeah, yeah, they were uh, 
spreading it all out. They, and, and back in the day, nobody had ever... No, there's a few, there's a fair few teams now who are running some creative offence. Um, but back in the day, I don't think anyone had seen anything like that. And everybody just sort of freaked out and, you know, freaked themselves out sometimes as well. But, you know, they qualified for two Olympics doing it and, you know, won a bronze medal of the world champs doing it. So it was... I mean, they, they were really, really good at it as well. So, but yeah, so it's sort of like... Um, and I mean, they don't tell us to run it exactly how they ran it. It's sort of you just you just grab you sort of just grabbing whatever weapons you have as a team. And I mean, I used to be a setter. I used to be a setter in um, indoor, not very good, but I was still you know had okay hands. So to me, it's like it's it's not that hard sort of thing. Um, yeah. But I, I was a setter. I was never a uh, I wasn't an opposite or a no, massive you know national team pass hitter. So mm-hmm. you know my strengths are probably my hands and you know a bit being a bit crafty and. Um, you know, stuff like that, my passing and stuff like that. So it's, um, so yeah, we're just trying to use those strengths. And um, yeah, there's uh, some really athletic guys in Australia as well. There always has been. And, you know, we've been blessed with some really, really good athletes. So it's just about uh, trying to find what, and that's the great thing about beach volleyball compared to indoor. I'm sure you've got indoor people that listen. But the great thing about beach volleyball is um, you can be really creative in um, setting up a system that, um, you know, works towards your strengths, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in indoor, ninety nine percent of the teams play the same, and oh, and, and the crazy. team and the team that play the one percent, everyone's like, why are they playing like that? And beach, you have to be yeah. a bit. Yeah, I agree. Like, you have to be a bit more, a bit more creative on what you're, uh, what you what you're throwing out. Especially now, like with the hype, like you're playing against Evandro, you're playing against the likes of Stoyanovsky, like that regular up and down set makes them feel a bit more comfortable, as you as you're saying, like. Yeah, put put the pressure on them. Maybe is how is how I see it. Coming yeah, from coming from a yeah, guy that basically coming from a guy that side out percentage was always under fifty. <laughs> so yeah, they they listen too much to what I'm saying. Um, perfect. Let's um, let's talk the Commonwealth Games. So you're you're a Commonwealth Games gold medalist. That must have been rad last year uh, at home. We had the conversation on the bus in Charmin, um, and it was yeah. a wicked conversation. So I sort of want to revisit it. How how was how was that whole um, journey for you playing at home? How did it affect the sport? All of that jazz, like it must have been, must have been really cool. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, it was crazy. It was something. I mean, Commonwealth game. I mean, beach volleyball wasn't in the Commonwealth games, you know, not too long ago. So I always grew up sort of just accepting that, you know, wouldn't wouldn't happen. But then, you know, it popped up in the Com games, and I was in Adelaide at the right place at the right time, and me and Chris were playing really well, and. Um, you know, got selected, and yeah, it, it, it was um, it was it was so special for so many reasons in terms of like it was a big beach volleyball event, event but for it to happen in Australia, um, and that was the coolest thing about it. I think, and this is sort of what I said to you on the bus. I think as well, like winning the gold medal personally was you know amazing and really really cool, but to do it um, to do it in Australia. Um, in primetime television to have so, you know, a professional setup with the, you know, Channel 7 commentators and all the rest of it, like it is, like beach volleyball is around the rest of the world, but in Australia and England as well, um, you know, it was so special to be able to show the Australian public what a good, you know, what a good game and what a, you know, good few games, um, what great matches of beach volleyball were really about. And it just impressed so many people that hadn't seen the sport before. And so, to show the family, friends, and just yeah, the Australian public in general why uh, why we love this sport so much, and why you know for so many years we committed our life to it with you know no savings in the bank, and you're just sort of spending all your money trying to get a little bit better. Um, 
everybody everybody in an instant sort of all my friends from school back in the day all your family they all sort of uh they all understood basically in sort of a couple of matches that they got to watch they were like oh okay we we get it now so so that was really special to um sort of show off our sport to a, a country that loves sport you know absolutely loves sport in australia so to be able to show my my sport our sport off to all of them I think that was the, probably the, the big legacy for um, beach volleyball and the Commonwealth Games from my perspective, for sure. That's amazing. And you obviously beat Pedro Schachter in the final. It was a, it was a very good final. Um, do you find like Australia doesn't quite get the... Like, the sport in Australia doesn't quite get the rep that it deserves? I, I would say that for anybody listening, you'd think, oh, Australia and beach volleyball sort of go hand in hand with the lifestyle, the, the big sport and culture. Do you feel like it hasn't quite caught on as far as it should have done? It, it does. I mean, um, it does get, you know, everybody thinks Australia and beach, and it is, it is a match made in heaven. And, you know, it's um, getting more and more pub- publicity as well. And it's, but I think um, with how big Australia is, you know, we've got a population of 24 million and our population is split across so many. We're, we're good at a lot of different sports and the best sports, like the best sports, the, the most popular sport in Australia by far is um, Aussie rules football, which is only played in Australia. So, there's there's immediately 800 to a thousand of the best athletes in the country just playing that, mm-hmm. and then you know um, cricket, um, you know cricket and rugby, which obviously England understands, but apart from England and Australia, there's a few other smaller countries that play those sports. So we're split across so many sports like that before we start getting into those big international sports like volleyball and you know a few other Olympic sports. So it's um, so I mean yeah, it's just uh, we've got a small population thinly spread across a lot of sports. So it's um. Mm-hmm. It's definitely tough to get the uh, the recognition, but I think the Com Games was a huge, huge help in that. And um, even my our coach uh, Andrew Shot as well said that every you know everybody asked him they'd be like, oh, what do you do for a job? And he's like, oh, I'm a beach volleyball coach. And they're like, you know, is that is that full time? And and once the Commonwealth Games happened, nobody asked him those questions anymore. They all they all understood basically, which is cool. That's awesome. I hope uh, I hope it's in Birmingham. Because um, I too. think I think yeah for sure, I think it'd have a real good effect on on the sport here as well. Um, obviously, we had the Olympics, and I don't think it quite caught on. I think there's a lot of reasons why, um, but it's another opportunity to get it in the shop window, um, and also get our teams to, to to some sort of big games as well, some sort of like last four or or last eight, however far they get. So touch wood, it stays in the Com Games because I think it's a great development for the. Yeah, for the for especially like England. Um, yeah, it's well. it's crazy. It was it was bizarre. I remember the first time I heard that it wasn't going to be in Birmingham, um, and I just like I, I fall over because I mean the London Olympics was you know from an outside perspective being in Australia was such a success, and I mean the the tickets sold out for that. I think you know within the first day they were released every single mm. session, and I mean. Um, and, and you know Australia as well for the Com Games in Australia, the, it sold out within a day. I didn't even know. I don't think we'd even been selected yet. And every single session, every single session, every single seat was sold out. So yeah. once we got selected, didn't even know our pools, didn't know our game times. But yeah, trying to get tickets for family was a nightmare. So I mean, time and time again, every single time beach volleyball's been played in a big way in sort of you know those not not traditional beach volleyball countries like England and Australia. It's sold out every time and been a massive, massive success. And so um, it's, it's almost laughable. Like, it's laughable to me that they wouldn't put that in um, yeah, because you're guaranteed to sell out an event and it's going to be sort of a a, uh, a hallmark, of, what's the word, like a flagship event almost. Um, 
like it is every single other time it's at one of those big multi-sport events so um, yeah I think so yeah, I think crazy. I think I have a good feeling about it I hope from what I hear um, so let's just keep our fingers crossed I hope did, did you manage to get tickets did your family manage to get in in the end for the, for the finals uh, we did uh, we did we did we, um, we got uh, a lot of my family came up and a couple of friends as well so Volleyball Australia bought I think you know 50 tickets to each session um, okay. just to make sure sponsors could get there and then if there was any left over I could grab those so they were they were much more organised than me <laughs> and your, your brother was there as well on the beers get, get, getting stuck <laughs> yeah, in yeah no Justy Justy was good he was, he was definitely there Justy and my other three sisters and mum mm-hmm. Awesome. We're all, uh, you know, mum, mum doesn't, mum doesn't know exactly what's going on with the scores and all that sort of stuff. But she's, she was, in, she's always enthusiastic. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, it was, she was cool having it. Very there. proud. Did um, is it like a family sport for you? If you and you and Justy both play, or is it just a random? You picked it up, and then uh, your younger brother looked up to you, so he he had a little hit as well, <laughs> and that's how it got going. Yeah, pretty much. I um, I um, went to a school called Mazenod College in Melbourne, and they were a volleyball school. And I went and you know I, I loved sports, thought I was pretty good, you know. Mm-hmm. So I went and tried out in Year Seven. I, I played a lot of Aussie Rules football and loved that, and still love that. But uh, went and tried out in Year Seven, and I got cut from the team. They said I wasn't good enough, so I was like, <laughs> oh, fair enough. And then um, and then started playing again a little bit, and came back in Year Nine, and then just loved it ever since. And um, so then, yeah, of course, like, uh, you know, Justy's, well, I'm one of five and Justy, my little brother's um, the youngest of five. So, yeah, the three sisters in between always got them out in the backyard to help me practice. And then they ended up starting to play. So it did become a bit of a family thing there for a while. And um, we were all setters. Actually, one of my sisters was a libero. But, yeah, then Justy came along with all the (laughs) skills in the world as well. So, yeah, yeah, it's turned into a family thing. Skills, Skills and chat. <laughs> good, good, good banter. <laughs> good, 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 good banter. Good with his hands and good, good, good with chatting away. Um, that's really yeah. cool. But yeah, good story as well. That uh, yeah, you sort of got turned away first time out, and then uh, yeah, look at what you've gone on to achieve some great things. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, who do you like? Who did you look up to, and who do you look up to now? Like when you watch volleyball, do you do you look at anyone and think, holy shit, like that that's where it's at, or are you sort of past that sort of uh, stage, or um, I uh, sort of in my younger my younger volleyball years, I definitely looked up to Julius Brink and um, Todd Rogers because um, they were both sort of around my height. So I would always look at. So I'm six foot, which you know isn't that tall really, mm-hmm. and um, just on six foot. And um, it's uh, yes, yeah, so I sort of looked. I, I really looked up to players who were sort of similar height to me, basically. Um, so Todd Rogers and Julius Brink are probably you know the gold standards there, and but also you know Bruno as well. And um, it, was, it was funny because you know I looked up to these players, and then sort of the better I got, I was like, oh, actually I've got to play them now. So mm-hmm. and I, I was you know so in the last few years, like oh, you know last sort of five or six years, I've been sort of playing on the world's tour. I was I was starting to play players that I had looked up to, so I was like, I better. So so then it became more like looking at them and admiring them, but figuring out how to yeah, beat them. Yeah, or also and, like um, yeah, like game over now. Like let's go, let's yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, so it was really cool, um, you know, getting to uh, you know the last the last couple of years, getting to um, getting to play some of the people I've looked up to and, and getting to beat a few of them as well has been been really cool. Yeah, what would you say like your best your your sort of biggest memories and best results were through that sort of yeah? Have you got any experiences that come to mind? Um. Oh, I've had. There's. It's funny. Like it, it's. It's funny because there's so many uh, 
different experiences and at the time they're just such a massive massive thing and so you know i remember the first time i won an australian national tour which you know you know when you a player says that doesn't mean much but when i was younger i didn't even know it was funny when i when i was younger and i was 17 18 i didn't even know if i'd I was, I was looking at my local state tour in Victoria in Melbourne and I was watching the AAA guys play and I was like, you know, one day when I'm 29 or 30, I'll be, I'll be at this level and like, it'll be so cool to, you know, and, you know, a year later I won one. And, um, <laughs> and then it was the same, you know, it was the same with the national tour. I was like, I don't know if I'll ever win one of these. These guys are amazing, you know. Mm. And then, you know, four or five years later, I, I, I won one and beat, you know, beat, uh, Chris McHugh and the guys I've been, you know, looking up to, and Josh Slack, and you know those sorts of guys. And uh, Josh Slack has sort of started retiring though; he was a bit slower. But um, yeah. but you know, so and then same thing with the World Tour. You get on, you're like, man, I don't know if I'm ever going to win a game on this thing. And then you, you win one game, and then you win a few more, and then you know you start. And then you know, in the last few years, um, you know, the the third really memorable one for me was qualifying for the main draw at a uh, Grand Slam back in the day, which is the equivalent of a five-star, I suppose, or a four- or five-star. And that's probably a big one because that, that was one where, because, you know, there were people, because I was, I was outside the program, so me and my partner at the time were outside the Australian Institute of Sport, essentially, um, the national team, you could call it. And, um, you know, I think it had been sort of 10 or 12 years since somebody outside the program had actually qualified for a main draw at a big event. So, you know, didn't even know if it was possible. So it was, um, so to do that was a, it was a massive achievement with Josh Court, one of my, one of my old partners yeah. who's living back in Perth now. I actually remember, and, I actually remember um, that. Yeah, I, I remember that time. And yeah. <laughs> that's, that's really cool. Um, back to the world champs, last time, you took a ninth, right? Was it, yeah. Was that ninth yep. in Vienna? Like that? Yeah. How did you feel in Vienna? Like, as this is what, yeah, more of the World Champs, like, great tournament for you? Like, happy with that result? Could have been better? Or, like, was there missed opportunities to, to go grab a fifth? Or did you just come out of that thinking, you know what, ninth in this biggest tournament that's ever probably been? Like, Vienna for the World Champs was unbelievable. Like, did you come back happy at one? Like, were you happy with the ninth? Or was it what could have been? We were um, a bit of both. I mean, we, you know, it was uh, it was such an amazing tournament. And, you know, like you said, it was probably one of the biggest setups that's ever that's ever happened, basically, for a tournament on that island in Vienna. And I'm looking forward to Hamburg because that looks mm. just as good. So, um, yeah, I mean, look, we played um, Stoyanovsky in our pool, and we beat um, Stoyanovsky and Yatsulkin, who were playing really well at the time. They just beat. Um, playing Alison Bruno the week before in Poland as well and um, so we managed to beat them and then um, we got out of our pool and then uh, beating Jake Gibb and Taylor Crabb who are an amazing team as well um, you know managed to beat them and you know two really really tight sets could have gone either way and then yeah we played uh, Dalhauser and Lucina and um, I mean we lost I think it was 16-14 in the third set and we were up um, we had a match point and we were up I think 13-11 in the third set and um so I mean, it was uh, like, I'm very happy to have been in that position, but it was uh, it sort of tortured me sort of every day. And not not that I not that I think I'm personally a better player than either of those two. Um, and, you know, I haven't done it. I'm, you know, I'm, I'd love to do half the stuff those guys have done, and you know, that's what I work hard towards. But um, on that day, I reckon uh, it was an opportunity missed. I reckon being 13-11 up in the third set. So it was. Uh, Oh, 
it took me months and months to get that game out of my head. That was uh, that was a tough one. But I mean, still overall, like super happy, and obviously they're an amazing team. And 13, 11 downs, nothing to them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so super happy. But yeah, it would have been nice to have uh, snagged that one on centre court. But it was uh, yeah, such a cool experience though. That that must have given you some some confidence through like Vienna beating Jake Gibb. Uh, be like getting so close to um, the Senate Dalhauser, and then looking through like some other results, like uh, made the final in Shepparton, and then you obviously won the Com Games, and then the Federation decided to um, yeah yeah let me know if this is wrong. The Federation decided to split up you and Chris McHugh um, to to change partners. Um, yeah, what was the? You obviously just won a gold medal at the Commies. Um, and then your federation tell you that it's that, that, that I gotta be careful how I word it. Um, your federation say that you you going with new partners. Was that correct? Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, yeah, yeah, pretty much. It was. It, it came as a bit of a shock to me, obviously, because um, me and uh, me and Chris had been um, me and Chris had been. I, I thought we'd been playing pretty well, obviously winning com games, which was a huge event for you know Australia, and it was. Um, and you know, previous to that, we qualified for the all, all the five stars. We qualified for yep, in 2017 and the start of 2018, and we beat like um, we beat some top teams in those you know two qualify, and then in the main draws, like we got some top tens at the big events, and um, nine, you know, nine beat some Austin, really quality teams. Ninth at Vienna, yeah, we, yeah. fourth at Sydney. Like yeah, there's 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 some really good results in in their building field. Yeah. And um, but I mean you know uh, Chris and the Federation you know they they uh, you know you got got to do what you got to do and you know you have people have opinions about you know different things and and it definitely came as a shock to me as well and you know Zach's an amazing player and he's definitely you know huge he's going to be an amazing player and he's up and coming and um, you know got all the potential in the world which is great and they're they're playing some really good volleyball as well but um, oh, look you know I've. Uh, my whole career's been my whole career. Uh, people have been telling me that you know someone's going to be taller and jumps higher and all that. Mm-hmm. And this isn't that's not personal to Zach. It's just uh, my whole career. You know, even, mm-hmm. you know when I was 17, 18, I, I couldn't make an indoor state team mm-hmm. for my local my local city basically. And, yeah, you've um, won so much. You know, um, and you know I had, I had an Australian coach when I was eighteen or nineteen tell my current uh, beach volleyball partner I was playing the national tour with to not play with me because uh, he'd be wasting his time. And to try and uh, you know play with somebody who's going to be a player of the future and all that sort of stuff. And um, so I mean, this was uh, it was all I, I thought. I thought I was. Uh, I thought like you know, like you said, I thought after winning com games and um, thought after winning com games and doing a few of the things I've done on world tour that I sort of got past that. But um, mm-hmm. apparently I hadn't. And so, uh, but but I mean, look, you know, it's been it's been really good. It's um it's worked out really well, and I've absolutely loved playing with Cole and. Um, yeah. We get along really well, and you know, me and Chris got along really well, and we're st- we still all train together and all that sort of stuff. So there's nothing, there's you know, no bad blood there. So it's um. Was it a decision made good. by Chris, or was it a decision made from the coaching staff or the federation? Um. Oh, no, I, th- I think it was more more so more so the federation. I yeah. think. Um. And you know, I think yeah, I, I don't know. I don't yeah, know. from from what so. I I only read the articles because everyone was like it was quite big. Yeah, like made it over here quite quite quick and quite big in the volleyball news and stuff like that that everyone yeah, turned yeah. around and was like whoa like yeah with the idea of getting two yeah trying to get two teams super strong teams out of it which which also makes yeah. a lot of, which also makes a lot of sense 
Um, oh, absolutely. Just, just yeah, an interesting yeah, no, story. So it's, um, yeah, exactly right. So it was um, yeah, a great opportunity to uh, you know see if different partnerships work and have better results and um, mm. you know work towards uh, trying to get the Australian men back to the Olympics because we haven't been there for the last couple of cycles. So they're you know you know. I think they're all just trying to leave, you know, no stone unturned and we're doing everything we can to just keep improving and put our best foot forward and try and um, keep climbing those World Tour rankings, me and Cole, and, uh, you know, put our best foot forward for the Continental Cup to qualify for the Olympics, which starts later in the year. Yeah, yeah, Continental Cup is a is a, real, a real good route in for you guys. Who's, uh, like, who do you see, Alden, as being the biggest threat to, to you sort of winning the Continental, the Continental Cup spot? Oh, there's there's more than a few. It's um, really, you know, Asia uh, and and some of the the rest of the world tour. If they're you know doesn't quite understand this at times, and um, you know, Asia Asia is extremely strong, and um, you know, there's countries like Indonesia who you know don't often have the financial backing to uh, play, you know, travel and do full world tours. But those guys are incredible athletes and such you know massive volleyball culture in that country, and um, they are they are seriously tough to play. Yeah. And um, you know they've uh, they, they do some amazing, and they just sort of in the lead up because their big event, their big events are the Asian Games, and that's what all their funding leads. So they got to play a lot of the World Tour in sort of 2017, 2018, in the lead up to Asian Games, and they took a lot of teams by you know surprise, basically in Thailand as well. They've improved out of sight. They've just beat Russia in Xiamen, and they uh, they I think they. Lost to Phil Dalhauser and Lucina as well, fifteen thirteen in the third, mm-hmm. which you know nobody thought they'd even get close. And um, and then apart from those two countries as well, China's playing very very well at the moment. They've got two extremely strong teams, you know, um, Gali and uh, Ha Luckigen. And uh, yeah, so and, and New Zealand. I mean, you know, the O'Day brothers are there. They've been there forever, and you know, Tom Hartles and Kalani. And I mean. There's, uh, yeah, so, and Japan as well, you know, Japan have still got such strong teams even though they've got a spot guaranteed. So, yeah, I think, you know, China, Thailand, Indonesia, um, uh, Qatar as well. Qatar are very strong, but I think they'll qualify top 16. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, who knows at this stage, but I mean, yeah, it's, uh, they're, they're tough tournaments. <laughs> yeah, well, Qatar is a strange one as well because they, they, they took like a, I mean, Pedro spoke about it, they took like a, a podium and then they can also take a 25th as well so it's uh it's 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 one of those and that just shows where the game's at i think i think that's that's a perfect example of the men's game is one minute you can be a 25th one minute you can be on the podium who, who knows absolutely yep absolutely it's um yeah well said Pidlo. <laughs> yeah yeah he yeah he was yeah he was he was talking some yeah Talking up, and we also asked him for some motivational quotes as well. Obviously, we, we were asking about the motivational. <laughs> Actually, talking to Pedlo, um, he said that you've got a great American accent. <laughs> um, no, it's not that good. He likes it. Yeah, so he actually asked me that I've got to ask you a question. You've got to answer it in your best American accent for our listeners. Um, so yeah, you have to give us a, a preview to the World Championships um, in the best American accent you've got. It's um, it's not so much the it's not so much the American accent I can do. It's more uh, just mimicking volleyball players that uh, I pretty much just mimic mimic Pedlo because he, he gives great material on his Instagram and he's um yeah. he's all like I love I love following him and all the clips he puts up and 
all the North Americans, I, 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 you know, I'm always enjoying when they're like, "Come on, partner, let's go!" Like next, next one, buddy, you you got this. There you go. So it's just like these little these little phrases that I sort of just uh, pick out that Americans and uh, Canadians to a lesser extent. Um, yeah, I love say I love them, and you know, obviously all our TV, like you guys would be Americans, so you just sit there and you're like, just start mimicking. So yeah, it's um. So what did you? What was the question? What did you want me to do? Oh, just do whatever you want in an American accent. I just wanted to hear it. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just didn't. Think, um, yeah, anything, anything you want to do. Um, well, you can talk about pedal well, if you want. He, he went. Yeah, I was, I was about to say. I'm like. Look, I mean, at the end of the day, all of us would like to have an Instagram like Pedlo, and some of us just aren't aren't lucky enough to have that. But <laughs> at the end of the day, uh, yeah, at the end of the day, um, Sam, I mean, you're my partner. We look we look up to each other, and we just got it together, just me and you. Everything we have, everything we have. Man, that's perfect. There you, you go. Well, you've lost. That's about all I got. There's, there's no, <laughs> you lost. You lost the Aussie accent. It's gone. <laughs> uh, see, I can't actually maintain it if I'm not talking about volleyball, if I'm not mimicking yeah, uh, volleyball accents. But it's, uh, but no, it's, it's awesome. I love, I love all of our American friends. Don't think I'm, don't think I'm bad <laughs> anymore, gonna have to play them sooner or later. But um, nah, they're they're enthusiast. I love them because they're an enthusiastic bunch, and they are always commentating. They're always commentating whatever might happen, yeah. um, whether that be on the court, off the court. They're like. I love it. So, it, um, as a as a bit of an extrovert myself, I uh, appreciate their extroverted culture. Yeah, yeah, me too, hundred percent. As an extrovert <laughs> myself as well. Um, few questions. Um, quick fire stuff. Best player you've ever played against? Um, Delhauser. And why? Um, just his. Uh, you know, he's a big guy. He's got pretty much no holes in his game. He can hit everywhere. Um, his passing's great, his serving's great, and his hand setting's pretty bang on. He's pretty much ticks every box. Is there anyone that you've played against, uh, um, like uh, maybe someone who's signing out who you just can't make a dig against that just frustrates you? So what's the most frustrating <laughs> player you've played against? Or sort of maybe a blocker that just you just can't seem to get around? Or is there anyone... Too many, that... too, too many, too many, uh, <laughs> too many, too many players to answer on that one. Is there anyone um, that's just like... Shit, I've got to play Jake Gibb again. I hate playing Jake Gibb. Yeah. Oh, I can't. <laughs> Being a six foot player, every single like, I mean, I go and people are like, "What's it like to play against the Vandros block or Stoyanovsky?" <laughs> and I'm like, pretty much the same feeling I get when I play on the Australian national tour against all the six foot eight dudes here. So yeah. everyone, being six foot man, they're all they're all hard to play against. But but uh, what's your strategy against those guys? Like getting creative, uh, trying to trying to work off the hands and running your game. Yeah, the the trick the trick for me is um, yeah the trick for me is just to not get trapped into trying to look at the block. So I've just got to be hitting as fast and as high as I can, and then if I see something, I go with that as fast as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, when I start trying to, when I hang, when I'm sort of on my way down and I'm hanging and I'm trying to outguess them and stuff like that, that's where I tend to get in trouble with the bigger blocks. So of um, just trying to throw my arm up, trying to throw my arm upwards up with the ball and, um, you know, if I try and jam it and try and start hitting, start hitting really sharp angles, I can get into a bit of strife. So it's, um, yeah, I try to uh, just uh, keep my technique solid basically and that's sort of the, way, the best way I've found to deal with them. That's that's awesome. Um, best moment, of career. Ah, uh, well, again, there's a few. There's a few like uh, 
there's a few that um, like you know qualifying for the main draw the first time, um, winning my first national tour. Obviously, Com Games was a massive one. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know that's more than one. And then you know beating a few of my heroes as well that I you know grew up looking up to and standing on the court and then getting to beat a few of those guys was have been pretty amazing. And then and, um, my best one it hasn't happened yet. Yep. What, what's the what's the dream? I'll, I'll let you know. I'll yeah, let you know. you're gonna come back on. Uh, definitely, uh, maybe something special this world champs, but uh, you know, making the Olympics. I think you know, doing something special the Olympics. That'll that'll be the best one. Yeah, for sure. Like that. That's the that's that's the end game. The the Olympic games. Um, who would be your if you could play one tournament with anyone past past or present? Who would it be? Oh, uh, probably probably. Uh, Probably Randy Stokeless, just so, just for again more more American accent material. And if there's anyone who embodies that awesome, just zest for life, and uh, can uh, put that on a beach volleyball court, it'd be Randy. So it's um, yeah, yeah. I'd love I'd love to see Randy operating at uh, at full um, at full voice. I could I could actually I could actually imagine you going down uh, like wherever they play Eighth Street in Hermosa Beach or something yeah. with with Randy and. Yeah, Hovland and Sinjin and just going and talking like talking a load, <laughs> talking a load of shit while uh, playing. Yeah, volleyball. get amongst it. Yeah, yeah, I reckon, I reckon so. That's that's awesome. Um, and oh, I've, I've totally lost track of my questions. Where have they gone? Um, what's your favourite thing about being a beach volleyball player? so many things I love about beach volleyball but the game itself the game itself is amazing the um, the chances to be creative in defense and really get super strategic in how you want to pick somebody apart um, the thrill of uh, the thrill of that moment where you win that final point in a close game the um, the immediate uh, the, and the immediate sort of satisfaction of um, you know when you when you hit a winner you get that immediate sort of spike of adrenaline which I think is um you know, it's. Uh, I mean, tennis. Tennis has got it. A few other sports have it, but you know, when uh, your team scores a goal in footy or soccer or whatever, it's like you might be down the other end and you're like, yes. Yeah. But, it, but it, unless you're the one, you know, scoring that goal. Whereas in volleyball, every sort of 45 seconds, you you get that feeling almost. Yeah. You know, unless you're having a bit of a bad run. But uh, <laughs> so yeah, that's it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's that's a great way of putting it. And what's what's the most frustrating thing? What's the worst thing? Um, oh, the fact that uh, well, it, it's also the best thing. But the fact it's all on your shoulders as well, you and your partner's shoulders. But usually it's all you know, one of you. If you're getting served, then sort of the game's on you, and it's uh, that's a, it's a beautiful thing. You know, you can single-handedly, you know, in beach volleyball, you can single-handedly win games off your defensive, creative mindset, or a defensive player, or your serve, or your side out. And you can also lose many games on the back of your mistakes um, and your misjudgments and your fears and your uh, just not going for it so it's uh, so that's probably the worst part about it when you um, when you personally uh, lose lose games basically yeah that, that's really uh, yeah really really good and um, what's the uh, like who would you say is the the best person you've met through beach volleyball my wife <laughs> yeah boom there you go there you go perfect like, lucky I, I, 
I mean, I mean that, but it's lucky I say that as well. Like, yeah, yeah. Say some one of my bloody one of my mates or something stupid like that. But, uh, <laughs> it's uh, no, nah, honestly, you know, I've uh, you know met, met my wife through beach volleyball. Also, you know, my coach, the coaches I've had over the years have taught me so much about beach volleyball and have got me to where I've got as a as a smaller player in Australia. You know, it's um, been really great to. Uh, you know, have been lucky to have the coaches I've had to get me where I am, and also the current coaches I've had of the national program as well for uh, giving me that chance at the start of 2017. It's um, been super grateful, and they're all such great people. And you know, people say you're probably getting sick of this on your podcast as well, but beach volleyballs all around the world seem pretty. Uh, you know, they they get you know. Because you play beach volleyball, you have to, you know, you have to work with somebody. You have to put yourself out there. You have to have a certain, a, a, a fair few attributes that um, usually makes you a pretty, pretty, you know, cool person to hang out with. Um, and you know, I've met so many, so many awesome people around the country and around the world from, you know, yeah. being beach volleyball. So yeah, it's cool. There's so many, there's so many, there's so many good people involved. And your your coaching staff are, yeah, super super nice people and. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, the Aussie programs, the Aussie programs, in a very good, very good spot. Mate, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for coming on and giving up your. Uh, I don't even know what time it is out there now. What, <laughs> what time is it? It's uh, it's about what have we got? Uh, five thirty, five thirty okay. p.m. But thank you so yeah. much for uh, for coming on and good luck at the at the World Champs. I'm buzzing for you to uh, yeah, go and get get amongst it. So yeah, I'm going to be watching very closely and we'll keep in touch. No worries. No worries, thanks for having me, Lou. Much appreciated, mate. Well, that was the interview with Damien Schumann. How lucky are we to have great guests every week on Freeball, the volleyball podcast. Please stay with us. Like us on Instagram, at FreeballPod. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify. But please make sure you keep tuning in because next week we have another special guest for you. Not a volleyball player, but one of the most instrumental people in volleyball and how... It's developed over the past few years. Stay with us. All eyes on Hamburg. We're under a week away until the first serve. We can't wait. It's going to be epic. But from us, it's goodbye for now.